Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. And today I am going live with the one and only Phil Demers. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm great, Zuby. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So for people who have not heard about you, um, how do you describe yourself, Phil? I am a former uh, marine mammal trainer. So I used to work with whales and dolphins and seals and sea lions, much like in the old uh, commercials for Sea Worlds. You used to see people jumping off the orcas and whatnot uh, in the U.S. and North America. And I worked at a place called Marineland in Canada. So it would be, uh, I guess, what you would most closely compare to Sea World. Only it was, uh, I like to consider, I like to call it a day at the spa. Uh, sea World would be a day at the spa compared to a place like Marineland. So you know, Marineland existed uh, for a long time and was a celebrated industry. Um, uh, whales and, and zoos and, and whatnot. So I worked between uh, 2000 and 2012. And while I was working, I uh, this strange thing occurred to me where a walrus, uh, a baby walrus that had come into to marine land's possession that was wild caught uh, during a sort of traumatic, strange process, uh, I, I imprinted on her. And so what that means scientifically is as a herd animal, an animal that in the wild will will need to be able to identify its mother in a, in a, in, you know, in, in herds of thousands. What happens is um, my scent, my, 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 the, the, what I look like, what I sound like everything tattooed on her brain. So I became her mother. And so this led to uh, obviously some changes in, in my life and, and whatnot. And here we are many years later. And I, in 2012, I quit and I spoke mm -hmm. out against conditions at Marineland. And uh, I've since, uh, I'm now approaching eight years of being uh, embroiled in the litigation with Marineland, where they sued me for $1.5 million for plotting to steal Sushi the Walrus. Okay. And so here we are. I Yeah, so here we are. So I was just saying to you before we jumped on live that I just watched the, the documentary that you're heavily featured in, um, The Walrus and the Whistleblower on Amazon. I watched that on Amazon Prime just earlier today in preparation for this for this interview. Um, firstly, really, really good and interesting documentary. Um, and so I learned a lot about you from that, but again, for people who aren't familiar, can you, so how did you even, so you, you started out working in Marine land in your early, in your early twenties, right? Mm -hmm. 22 yep. years old, 22 years old now. And how old are you now? If you don't mind me, if you don't mind disclosing, I'll be turning, uh, 43 in, uh, in March next month. Okay. Okay. So let's, uh, so we're talking tw 20 years ago. Yes. Yes. I okay. Twenty twenty. I was. I believe my my start date was uh, March eleventh, two thousand. Yeah. I, okay. I remember these dates. I can't remember a lot of dates. Not my birthday and not, not anyone else's. Birthday, <laughs> but I can remember when I start and quitted and I quit Marineland. But yeah, that's okay. A large part of my life was was spent there. And what what was it like when you first when you first got 
when you first got involved with it and you started working there? I mean, I, I assume it's one of those things that your views on it obviously changed a lot over the course of time. But what was it like initially? So the world itself was quite different in 2000, it should be noted. And, you know, th- the prospect of getting work wasn't as simple as turning on the Internet and clicking a button, mm-hmm. you know. So when when I was looking to get work as a, as a 21-year-old fresh out of school, I went to school for audio engineering and multimedia post-production, which, you know, in 2000 became a free download within six months of, of my very expensive otherwise education. Mm-hmm. So I had this music background, recording and whatnot, and uh, I didn't know what it is that I, thought, I what I wanted to do. Um, the jobs that were that the prospective jobs I was looking at were in big cities like Toronto, which, you know, albeit was probably a move that was necessary to make if I wanted to have any uh, any success in that field. But the jobs were just part time jobs, part time jobs. I couldn't really figure out what it is that I wanted to do or what, how I would make something work. And while I was you know, going through the newspaper and the want ads, I found this job to, to apply to become a marine mammal trainer's assistant. And, you know, albeit I had no relevant education, but. You know, I gave them, I picked up a phone and gave them a call. I said, you know, what does it require to be, uh, to, to do this job? I'm just, you know, I, I had some interest in it. And they said, well, look, we, we've got a big turnover rate. And, uh, you know, as far as education goes, we, we hire people uh, with, with, you know, a, a wide array of varying education, which basically means none. Mm-hmm. So I, of course, I wouldn't have known at the time. So I uh, went in for an interview and whatnot, applied and I, and I got the job and I wouldn't have never imagined it. It wasn't something I pursued. It wasn't a big dream of mine, but uh, I will tell you that on day one, uh, I arrived to work, and when I went backstage and I joined all the, the the trainers and supervisors and whatnot, and I got my first look at the environment, I was sort of appalled. I couldn't actually believe that you know here was a celebrated industry and and the mm. the the conditions I was looking at didn't look so great. But I was a 22 year old kid. I didn't really know what was what. Uh, this was a celebrated industry. You want to just assume that everyone knows what it is that they're doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of just become a company person. You, you, you're just, you, you just put your head down. You, you sort of keep quiet. My very first job on day one, I scrubbed a blood trail, which it turned out to be an orca who had passed away only the week prior and they had done a oh, necropsy. Yeah. And they performed the necropsy, which is the equivalent of an autopsy on animals in the uh, just adjacent to the arcade. And so when they pulled the, the whale's corpse and they dragged it through the arcade to take it outside to bury it, it left a blood trail. So my very first task, and you can imagine that it's, it's actually quite poetic, that I was on my hands and knees scrubbing orca blood off an arcade, off a, of the floor of a large arcade room. Mm. Um, you know, so I, again, my perspective was such that I wasn't going in with a lot of expectation. I was, I wasn't a big dream. It wasn't a great aspiration. I was sort of just going with the flow and more than anything, I was just happy to work in a place that, you know, I felt very lucky to be there. It, it mm-hmm. felt very exclusive. You, you were armed with secrets and, you know, there are times when you're young that holding secrets are important to you, even if those secrets are not great. Yeah. And so, you know, there's something about being of a, a near cult like mentality in that environment. And over time uh, it, it becomes evident but you're in it, right? Mm. You're in it. And so as time goes by, your perspective does slowly change. The closer you become to making the decisions with management and whatnot. And of course, include the, uh, the fact that suddenly I've got this walrus that thinks I'm her mom mm. and your, the, your perspective changes very quickly. Suddenly I never had the vested interest of having an animal that I, I always watched the environment as such was that's where, this is where these animals live. This is just the way it is. And then once the walrus sort of deemed me as her mother and I had this powerful relation, this vested interest in her and this different and greater understanding of her and her needs. And you start to think and you start to invest yourself a little bit more in things that you otherwise were not paying so much attention to. And, you know, I just became a lot more sensitive to things and I became more vocal and I became deemed a sort of problem employee. And, you know, over time, the writing was sort of getting on the wall. Yeah, and yeah. so when it came to leaving, I had to make a decision. Uh, I could have stayed. I do believe that had I stayed, it would have been the wrong decision. I had to mm-hmm. leave on my terms so that I was able to be unimpeded in my ability to explain what was happening. I didn't want them to be able to say they fired me. I didn't yeah. want them to say that I was uh, disgruntled. I didn't, you know, I wanted to leave with credibility, and I wanted to leave on a good note. And I, in fact, did. When I left, it wasn't a soured thing. Uh, we had a, we in fact had an agreement that I could come back and be part of Smooshy's life. In fact, I insisted on it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, in fact, I returned to visit her about a month later, which was the longest we'd ever been apart, that I saw the condition she was in. That it became evident that was Marina, that Marina was not going to uphold their end of the bargain. 
And I should mention that when I quit, there was some attention from the media. They were curious because Smoosh and I had made some uh, noise on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the media and in the news some years in advance because of the nature yeah. of our relationship. It was more celebrated. Uh, but so when I quit, there was some questions as to why is this guy quitting? Why is he leaving? And I didn't mm-hmm. want to talk. I had no interest in talking. And then how, became, how long? Sorry, how long? How long did you work there in total? Twelve years. Twelve years in total. Okay. And yeah. how long had you been working there? Uh, before they brought in Smooshy, about six years. Okay, so so that was like midway through your career, right. okay, and in between okay, that, I did I did leave I did leave for a period of about a year. In all of that, I took a leave of absence and I moved to South Korea to just you know I just had to get away from it for a bit. Even as a young guy, there was like there was aspects of it I didn't love, and mm. because we were a we weren't a full year uh, a full season operation, we only operated like with in terms of having the public there uh, in the summer. So in the winter we would close, but I would still be employed. You know, I just extended to Marineland, like, look, I'd like to leave and go experience life in a different way for a little bit. And they sort of gave me their blessing. And so I did leave for for about a year and I came back midway through the summer of the following season. You know, I just tried to, I tried to sort of reset everything a little bit because I I was never, I was never going to fit in that completely. It just wasn't Mm going to be a perfect fit. So I did have to take breaks and whatnot. You know, it was never, it was never really easy for me to work there. When the whales started dying, it just affected mm-hmm. me worse than most, I suppose. And I, I can't say that I know exactly why that was. You know, you don't go to a place like that with the assumption that animal lives forever. You would think that, you, but as a young child and everything, I don't know, man, I just held on to it more. I, I just had an emotional mm-hmm. attachment to working there. You know, I, yeah. I, I did. So it's a strange thing of working in, a, in, a, in an environment where you're emotionally attached. That's not the way jobs are technically very often supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. But I mean, a lot of people... I mean, I haven't had, it's not like I've had a lot of jobs. I mean, I've worked for myself for a long time, but I mean, like I'm, I'm absolutely emotionally attached to what, 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 what I do. So, I mean, I can, I can completely relate to it, whether it's something, you know, someone considers like a job or a career, but I think there are certain lines of work where, yeah, you get emotionally attached, especially if you're working with people, you're working with animals, you're doing something that, you know, I assume from, it sounds like from perhaps from relatively early, you had some ethical qualms or concerns around it. But I assume that up until the point of you leaving, you probably, you know, you would have felt like the, the positive outweighs the negative, right? Otherwise you would, otherwise you wouldn't. You also convince yourself that if you're not there, the next person's not going to be better than you and they're not going to yeah. do a better job than you. So you start to feel the, the responsibility of staying for mm. the animals. And that's where it becomes mm. conflicting because you look at your paycheck and, you know, if you're having to have to bring food home from Marine land to eat, Mm-hmm. You know, it's just at some point, passion, you have to, you have to measure, you have to weigh it all. There's yeah. careful balancing act and jobs where you're, where you're pursuing your own passions. And, and in your case, for us, for instance, an endeavor that is your own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, I can imagine that you'd have to be more protective of it and everything else, but this is someone else's playground, right? You're mm-hmm. still in, you're still at the, you're still at the, at the mercy of someone else's ideas and decisions. And that's where it becomes yeah. You know, especially when if, if you if you are at that table with a voice, but your voice doesn't have to carry the weight that it needs to when when considering the the benefits the the you know the the animals' perspectives, right? Yeah. So what was the what was the point where you were like, I need out of this? What what, what was the moment where that penny dropped and you just thought, you know what, I I need to step away from this? I had had moments where I'd resolved that I had to leave. There was okay. never the environment for me to be able to leave. Conflicting was that if I left Smooshy because of our attachment, I couldn't actually leave. I I had left. I played in a band for 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 some time, and we actually played in Switzerland. I was gone for ten days, and, over, and that was the longest I'd been away from Smooshy before the month that I had just described when I had quit and returned. During mm-hmm. that ten days, she had she had amassed all these stress welts. She lost a bunch of weight. It was awful. She wasn't eating. I was getting text messages, or rather, I was getting emails from trainers updating me daily. And you know, I I we hadn't consciously been aware of the effects of my absence. Uh, yet of what that would do to her. So I had to consciously wean myself off of her before knowing I could leave. And these are all things I had to do in the back of my mind. These weren't like, Mm. hey, Phil, you know, we need to think about if you ever quit. It wasn't like that. It was just like, wow, I can't leave. That's different. Uh, The other thing was money. Uh, Quitting a job without a plan uh, is ill-advised. You'll want to have a backup plan of sorts. For me, I was on a a, a reality TV show. I, I had the, the the I was just lucky enough to get on this show called Wipeout, and what it was was you used to run this obstacle course, and you know it's half humor, half uh, half uh, parkour like environment. But I, 
it, I won it. So by virtue okay. of being a walrus mom, I got on the show. It was called Wipeout Canada, episode one, and I won. So then I won $50,000 and that was tax-free. So now I suddenly saw, uh, I saw an opportunity, like, wait a second, mm. I don't have to put up with what's going on here. I okay. have a, a way out. Okay. That, that's the, the end of that summer. So right before the, the, the season where it's closed for the winter, the, there was a water, uh, there was a breakdown in the water disinfection unit. So the way the water is disinfected in uh, zoos and aquariums is you've got a, you use chlorine like you would in any pool. Mm -hmm. to, to disinfect but it works in conjunction with what's called an ozone generator an ozone machine and so between those two you're able to mitigate the chlorine use if you find the, the careful balance with the with the ozone mm -hmm. uh, marine land the ozone machine broke i believe it was in um maybe august 2012 it would mm -hmm. have broken uh august 2011 it would have broken so because we were close to the public the owner's resolve to clean and or to fix the machine was sort of laxed. He wasn't, you know, there wasn't enough flags being waved for him to come around, mm. but it was affecting the animals horribly. Okay. Yeah. So his, their resolve rather than flying in the people necessary to fix this machine, which they were, they were at, at some point, they had to fly some people in from California. Mm -hmm. um, their resolve was to just keep dumping uh, uh, irresponsible and dangerous amounts of chlorine overnight when no one was there. Yeah. So when we as employees would show up in the morning, I mean, you could smell it. It smelled like a punch to the face. You'd open up that door and wow, you'd go back there. And now you would see the effects on the animal. Yeah. Um, so ranging from, obviously we had blindness, we had loss of fur, the dolphin skin were peeling off because it was, it was just scorched. It was completely yeah, burned. Yeah. Uh, we had animals die. Uh, yeah. I can, I can go on. I mean, you see the images in the, in the documentary, they're not, they're sure. not easy to watch. Uh, and, and bear in mind that that was at a time when, cameras on cell phones weren't even really a thing i was just lucky enough to have had a blackberry at the time to capture a lot of these images much of the uh what's strange about my era of of marine land is this was before the likes of youtubes and twitters and whatnot the the, the likes of social media and so capturing and vi and getting video and stuff was not very easy at the time right mm. it, was, it was quite difficult uh things have changed a lot so i i i thank my blackberry for having started quite a little bit of a revolution <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, that 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 is basically the story, right? Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually, because I, I feel like perhaps that kind of stuff would be harder to get away with now. Maybe maybe not, but maybe so. I don't know. You, don't if know. you work at Marineland now, you sign more non-disclosures okay. uh, agreements. You 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 put your cell phone and lock it in a locker now. I mean, there's okay. a policy change. In fact, if you're trained as an employee, you're trained how to find me and report me. You, oh wow! You're, okay. Yeah, identify me. And despite the fact that I've never laid foot in the park, you know, I don't know employees, <laughs> anything. And the only reason I ever found that out was I was sitting at a, I was going to get a sub, a, a, a sub sandwich at a, at a place. And a guy looked at me and he goes, I just came back from a training video watching about you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, wow. so I, I assume you're working at Marineland now. He's like, yes. <laughs> and he was like oddly nervous. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not that guy. So anyways. That's so <laughs> funny. Wow. I wonder, I wonder what they told them about you. Oh, I imagine there's, I imagine there's evidence somewhere. We'll get it. <laughs> man, that's, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. So I'm, I'm really curious. One thing I did want to sort of talk to you about on this. I mean, there's, there's so many different angles it can go through. And I, I do want to encourage people to, to check out the documentaries and get sort of more of the meat of the story. But one of the things I found most interesting about the whole story is the, is the sort of moral and ethical aspect of it. Um, and I think it's, um, I, I think morality and ethics in general is, it's, it's an area I'm like super duper interested in. I often, some, a lot of people view me, think I'm like hyper political, but I actually tell people I'm more interested in like society and culture and psychology and morals and ethics, all those kind of things, which does, does feed into politics. But to me, it's like, it's, it's bigger than that, right? It's, it's beyond that. And I think it's really interesting, um, especially given that, I mean, I was reading up on Marine Land. It started in like the early sixties, right? Yeah. They're, they're approaching their 60th year of operation. Yeah. So I, I think it's really interesting, you know, how, you know, morals and ethics as they are now, as they'll be in the future, as they were in the past, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about human beings or animals or, you know, all sorts of things. And, I think it's it's all throughout whilst watching the documentary, I was kind of like asking myself a lot of questions as to 
okay, you know, like what should, what's the right boundary on this? Or what's the right boundary on that? Or is believing this and believing that hypocritical? Is believing this and not believing that hypocritical? Is this, you know, and it's it's a really interesting one. And when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to zoos or animals being used in circuses or um, something like marine land or whatever, it's not something I, I personally have like a strong, I don't really have a strong view on. Like, you know, and I I think I tweeted today, you know, it's okay to not have a strong view on absolutely everything. I, I can very much, I can very much understand both sides. And sometimes I feel like I lean more this way. Sometimes I feel mm, I lean more that way, but I don't really, I don't really know. And also what's also interesting, um, and this also, also in the documentary, because in Canada, they, they passed the bill um that banned the captivity of cetaceans right is that yeah cetaceans and porpoises yeah. and dolphins which are all in all okay. in the same scientific classification okay yeah see so so that's interesting right because then because then also again even from a moral and ethical point you're like okay well if you're gonna go if you're gonna take that view and adopt that position then it's like okay well what about every other type of animal right you're like well does that and i know some people are like yes absolutely ban zoos ban this like ban factory farming ban like i i i and actually i i can understand i can understand the perspective like i have the empathy to put myself in that framework i'm someone who was actually vegetarian for 7 years a lot of people don't know that so oh, wow. i yeah right so i understand those ethical i understand those ethical arguments like totally right um but then at the same time i'm also kind of like well, yeah but like how far do you how far do you take that if someone is a vegan but they have like a pet dog <laughs> right is that i'm like wait wait is that uh, like you can imagine I'm, the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm like wait is that hypocritical or there's like a, you know there's a part in the film where i actually have a beta fish and you see a little beta fish swimming in this otherwise little bowl and, and yeah. i actually get people that say that bowl is too small for that beta i'm like look if that's the takeaway from the film first off it should be noted that beta was meant <laughs> it was meant to be squashed the store was not going to sell it because it wasn't swimming right so we just took it and just gave it a semblance of an okay life <laughs> that we could and I, and I get that. So, you know, yeah. I, I get, I often get criticized I, and I understand it because, you know, my, mm. my, my mouth is, you know, I'm a, it's a mile a minute. So I get that <laughs> there's people and we joke about it that experience feel fatigue. But if the takeaway from the film is that you're, you're too often looking at the messenger, then mm. it, 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 it's lost. You know what I mean? It's been lost on people. And a lot of people, I think it, it's like, have you watched the right film? I mean, are you, when someone says, when they attack the messenger, it's like, well, did did the powerful images of of tortured suffering animals have no effect on you and you're more just annoyed by me and you can't get past that first layer like can you know what i mean like it's it's mm, such an interesting mm. thing and then again there's this the people that adopt this position of immediate criticism for absolutely everything i'm not oh, a yeah. vegan so it makes me an easy target yeah. you know yeah. i i the, obviously there's this there's the notorious steak scene yes. you know where i flip a lot of beautiful steaks in fact i had some for yeah. breakfast and i had some for dinner last night i, I uh -huh. am an admitted hypocrite. Someone, someone's someone's comment. Someone's writing a comment right now. <laughs> I am an admitted hypocrite in that world. I, yeah. I don't possess the ideology. I don't have these hard lines. You know, I, mm. I keep going back to what is my relationship with nature? What is this function of society and its relationship in nature? When I look mm. at and I try to weigh that, am I a mouthpiece for factory farming? Absolutely not. That's not in no way, shape or form. I ever considered factory farming when speaking out against the cruelty that I witnessed at Marine at Marine yeah. Land. I, and yeah. I don't know that. I necessarily need to do the crossover to see the cruelty of one, but then, mm -hmm. you know, and I can appreciate that factory farms are awful. And, and I yeah. do my, as diligent a work as I can to, to, you know, to get my meat and source it as ethically as possible. But yeah. am I part of a larger machine? That is a, a problem that makes me a hypocrite. If I'm to be a, a voice for some, for, for, for particular animals, I get it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I get it. Yeah. There's I, also the, it, yeah, sorry, yeah, and okay. I'll just real quickly interject uh, because there's, there is some, some questions about well why did the bill not extend to more marine mammals and whatnot mm -hmm. and so the reason being is when it comes to passing laws and whatnot the science has to be so dead right and so consistent otherwise your opponents are going to are just going to pick it apart the needs of a dolphin porpoise and, and whale which again are all in the same scientific classification are different than that of pinnipeds be it uh, walruses seals and sea lions so you can't mm -hmm. have a bill that would protect one necessarily be attributed to the other Okay. Uh, but that doesn't mean that in the future that 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 bill won't be considered when moving forward. In fact, right now, there's a new tabled bill called the Jane Goodall Act, which will extend protections to great apes 
and elephants and big uh, big cats in uh, federally in Canada now. That's the next step. So so okay. it does get the ball rolling. It does it does open the conversation to to bigger and larger things. But but I am with you that there is a level of balance that needs to be considered. There's an ever moving line. Like it's fluid, right? We don't mm, like mm. as far as ethics go. It seems to be fluid. One day something's right. One day something's different. It, you know. But there's a when it comes to zoos and the use of animals, we are the, the more conscious we become of, of of the effects that it has on them. Obviously, mm. the the the, it, the the change that it inspires in people, and I hope that continues. You know, the other thing is I like to say that I've made more vegans than a lot of vegans have. I mean, frankly, <laughs> I love a world with vegans, and I hate that vegans are canceling themselves because there are some vegan dishes that I absolutely love. So I think it would be an absolutely awful thing if vegans went out and canceled themselves. So please stop. Don't do yeah. that. The world is better with you. We, we, I love your food. Believe me. Yeah. I want to go a bit deeper into something you just said because you were talking about the you were talking about the specific needs of um, dolphins, um, dolphins, whales, porpoises versus, say, sea lions and walruses. When it comes to something like legislation or that bill, what would be the specific scientific reason why the bill would apply to the former category, but not the latter? What's the science? Well, what's the scientific there's... logic there? There's immediately the question of intelligence. So you start to, to weigh a uh, level of consciousness and, and brain sizes. And, and again, I, I can't speak to the science of brain sizes and consciousness because I'm just not the expert, but there are mm -hmm. some. And thankfully, those people speak at, at legislations and whatnot. Um, in, the, in the case of, of uh, dolphins, uh, whales and porpoises, they have family bonds that are that that go on throughout the entirety of their lives. So you've got a male orca that is born uh, to, a, to a mother and it, that male orca will not leave its mother's side for a greater length of a whale's body length for its mm -hmm. entirety of its life, except for when it goes off to, to breed or, or fight and whatnot. But again, these are just brief periods. Otherwise, it stays with, with its mother and its family through the entirety of its life. Well, these practices oh, wow. tend to separate them at birth, mix them. And, mm -hmm. you know, and then it becomes a question of, of, uh, of, of size of pool. You, know, you, you go and you take an animal with otherwise limitless uh, travel capabilities that, that otherwise migrate up to 100 kilometers a day. Mm. And you take them and you put them in a pool with, and you take a stagnant pool and you take away, you take away every reason that they are what they are. An orca doesn't have to be an orca in a, in a pool. It, yeah. it, you know, it just doesn't. So it's, it, it so it really, it, it's no longer one. So mm. I think what becomes is a question of whether or not the animals are capable of thriving in uh, human care or not. And in the mm. case of whales, dolphins, and porpoises, the science is clear. They cannot, yeah. they just yeah. cannot. When you when you say they cannot, what specifically does that mean? Is it means their lifespan is reduced by a certain amount? Yeah, does it yeah, mean absolutely. that certain health markers just drop down? Is there is there any way, and also, is there is there any way that it would be possible, even if yeah. very difficult? Yeah. So I do imagine that there would be. So. Um, okay, you have to go back to the first question because I immediately started thinking of the answer to the second. You asked <laughs> me, what was it? I, um, I, I, I don't know. So answer this. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't ask two questions in a row like that. My bad. Cause I went straight to the second question. Yeah, no, it's fine, I've man. lost that one too. My yeah. God, this is what happens when you become me. <laughs> Your brain goes faster than your mother. <laughs> Sorry. Let's go to a next question or not for fun. Not because I don't want to answer because I've completely forgotten. Them. No, it's fine. So I, I was asking. So the second part of the question was, is there a way oh, yes. that they could be, that they could be sort of, housed right. and kept in an aquarium or somewhere like marine land with them actually being able to right i, I do recall the first part of your question now you, yeah, you, so asked about, <laughs> you asked about what the effects of captivity were so yes, obviously yes. it becomes lifespan uh okay. it becomes their 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 breeding uh success as well when you look at okay. lifespan you look at babies and how often they're born and and, and uh, uh the other thing is you know why do these animals more often than not require uh, psychological drugs like antidepressants and whatnot. When you mm. start looking at their the history of of use of animals in entertainment and how much they rely on drugs and that the training requires starving the animals and all these other things, you see that mm. it's just the effects of it are just awful. Okay. And the the mitigating factor and what is definitely going to happen and that it is and is and is coming and will be the future is a sanctuary like environment for these animals. So it, it's becoming. In fact, if you check out the whale sanctuary project. Uh, they're now at the the point that they've they've chosen their destinations on the east coast of Canada. Uh, it is a it is a it will be a fenced off area off a coast. So imagine it to be in the ocean. Mm -hmm. um, the animals will remain in human care, 
there will be some emphasis on trying to release them. Not all will be candidates. Those animals will otherwise remain in human care for the entirety of their lives, but they will have a semblance of a natural life. They will have a huge expanse. They will experience the natural rhythms of the sea. They will see and be able to hunt and, and chase fish. Uh, you know, so but all the while remaining in human care. So, so this is happening. It'll be more of an observational environment, educational. You just, you know, no more of these jumping around with the music and the theatrics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a yesteryear idea. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of old ideas. Sometimes the people that that hold on to them have to sort of go away too. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to use the word die, but often yeah, bad ideas have to die with pe with the people that came with them. So true. there are still people holding on to this legacy business, but you know, the every financial model, every ethical standard will 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 just weight against it. Just shows that it's something that is you know is going away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I would feel... encourage I would okay. encourage people to short it. <laughs> to short it. <laughs> <laughs> you, and out of curiosity, do you do you feel the same way? What What are your thoughts on zoos just in general? Because it's funny, I didn't know that. Um, I mean, it, I I think I was because I, I was in Romania a couple months ago and I went to a zoo with no animals. Are, are I think you may have been one of the people who DM me about it. Yeah, I fired in a little hay. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you did right. Like, yeah, because yeah, okay, so so much they're hiding. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was so funny because everyone was, was I was like, guys, don't worry, there's no animals, there's no animals here, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, so I'm I'm kind of curious. Like, do you know what? Before that, I didn't even know. Like, I I don't think I even knew some people had such strong feelings about zoos. Until I posted that, and obviously when you post anything to three hundred thousand people, you get right? even if yeah. it's like even if it's even if only like one percent of people have an issue with it, like you it's hear about it, right? Yeah, exactly. So I was kind of curious. I was like, oh wow, that's that's interesting. Like I didn't know some people had such strong views against zoos. That one kind of blindsided me a little bit because I'd never really like. I never now really you, like thought about it. I was. Just you like, live in the UK. Mm, you spent the, the majority of your life in the UK. Um, I grew up in Saudi Arabia, and I were there spent... zoos and aquariums. Was that a was that like a celebrated yes. sort of thing? Was that a thing in Saudi? No, not not no. in Saudi. And no. so in the UK, there was regulations adopted, and if I'm not mistaken, the 90s that 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 squeezed uh, aquariums right out of the UK. In fact, when we oh, there's I'm aquariums sorry, in the UK. I don't believe there are aquariums in the UK or the standards of which no, they're definitely they're, def they they're definitely aquariums dolphins. in the UK. Oh, um, oh, I don't know if they have dolphins. No, I don't. I don't know if they have dolphins. Right. So sorry. What I mean is the dolphins, whales and, and porpoises and whatnot. So they oh, okay, are no okay. longer they, the standards of care that are required to keep them in captivity in the UK are such that it's just not possible. You need like okay, hundred gotcha. pools. So and this was actually the model that Ontario, the the uh, the province was looking at, was looking to okay. model that regulation to sort of try to squeeze marine land. Uh, and we looked at the UK model. So, mm -hmm. so the reason I, I find it interesting that you're 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 sort of blindsided by much of this is because you're actually from a place that doesn't really have them. They've already they sort of already got rid of them for for you know a long time. So mm -hmm. it's not as culturally uh, available to you maybe necessarily as North America here, where if you turn TV on every two seconds, you had a whale, a dude jumping off a whale, or a baby whale swimming next to it with a jingle, yeah. and everyone was flocking to these places. Yeah, right? I've been to SeaWorld before. Obviously, that was many, that was many, many years ago. That was when I was like when I was a kid, but I do have I do have memories of SeaWorld specifically. Did you, and yeah. did you have any thoughts at the time of conflict or? Uh, nah, man, I was four. Four, okay, never mind. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was four. I wasn't. I wasn't really thinking all that deep about it. You know, um, I don't have. Uh, I mean, I have a responsibility to a certain extent to offer yeah. perspective from my experience. I have visited zoos um, since my experience. Um, there are there are great people that work in zoos. I should mention it, it uh, when you when you look even at Marineland. When I talk about some of the people that are there, look a lot of the people there because they have a passion for the animals. They know that the place itself is awful and the practices mm -hmm. are awful, but they're trying their best within it. Now it's it becomes conflicting. It's not their responsibility to hold the ethics of other people's ethics and, and, and uphold them and whatnot. They're there mm -hmm. for their reasons. And, and I applaud those people. If you're there for a genuine purpose and whatnot, then I, I, I prefer that you be there than, than the next person. But zoos too often the model, you know, it's, it is an old legacy business. Uh, you're always exiting through the gift shop. Uh, as soon as you crack the book, you take a look at uh, how much money is actually allocated to conservation and, uh, and, and whatnot. And more often than not, it's, it's bonuses for CEOs. So what I say to people is look, all of zoos and their controversies, uh, the, the specific sites, they're all available to you. A simple Google search will tell you of all of the controversies around any zoo that you're thinking of going to. Uh, and if if they're 
you know, if they're public or often these things are run by cities, uh, you can get you can get some financial information on them and just take a look at it, dissect it and get the truth mm. of the matter. Because you know, I will say this in my experience, more often than not, uh, the whole premise of keeping animals in captivity is to enrich humans. It's mm. to enrich humans. That So until I see the balance shift, I'm just not going to be the, the, the spokesperson for zoos. I mean, when, when I do, I do, I do know that there is an evolution happening and zoos mm-hmm. are changing and they mm-hmm. have to necessarily. So uh, I do look forward to, to the future of zoos because mm-hmm. only the ones that, that evolve will survive. And you know, that is, that's, that's true with everything in every, in all systems and in all, and over time, it's, it's the evolution and you're changing and your, your ability to adapt over time. That's going to, that's going to determine whether or not you're viable or not in the future. And a model yeah. like as old school as Marineland is just, I mean, it's just too outdated. It's yeah, just too yeah. outdated. Yeah. No, it's a really interesting thing. You know, I, I feel like I think one thing when it comes to ethics, I don't know. I'm sure somebody's made this point before, but it's not something I've ever really heard someone express, nor have I ever expressed it. So I'm going to try to articulate in a way that makes sense. I often feel like, how would I put it? I think that something that's, that's tricky with ethics is I feel like people often feel I don't want this to come out wrong, but I kind of feel like people feel people can only kind of care about so much. If it doesn't right? affect like, them, the, the, they're just not going to feel that. Yeah, like yeah, like people have people have like a limited capacity for like. I mean, like look, I'll be, I'll I'll keep it a hundred percent honest, and I say this as someone who like likes animals and stuff, and obviously You're doesn't want things person. to su- suffer or whatever, right? And but for example, I could never give money to an animal charity. Mm-hmm. Right. While there are still human beings that are suffering and in poverty and homeless and refugees and all that, like, I, like if I have a hundred pounds to give, I'm just like that has to go to that has to go to a human being. Like it mm-hmm. has to go to a human being, right? It doesn't mean that I don't care about whales or I don't care about homeless dogs or I get. But I'm like I can't give to a homeless dog when there's a homeless man out there, man. Like. Right. I, I can't, you know, it's not that I don't care, but I'm, I always will prioritize human beings. I won't prioritize. I don't, I don't think that means that I need to, um, <laughs> that doesn't mean that you prioritize human beings. So therefore you don't care about absolutely right. anything else. No. Um, Listen, but I your think time with, and yeah, attention needs to be allocated to the things mm, that you mm. have the greatest passion for. I mean, the balance True. of life is think- such that your, your feelings are that you would rather allocate your resources here. And there's just equally another person that would say, mm. I would rather an animal not suffer. And so that's just, the, that's the beauty of a democratic yeah. world. And I think, yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I mean, I do think, I do think that latter person is weird. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Like I, I do I think, agree. I do think that's weird. Right. And so look, I'm not here to like judge people or whatever. Like, and, and maybe it's good overall that look, we're all passionate about different things. So it's good that, okay, you've got these people who want to, give donkeys and these people want to give to humans and these people want to give to cats and these so so maybe it kind of works out all on balance but it's um yeah it's it's a really tricky it's a really i don't know it's one it's it's really philosophical isn't it like it's one of those things where it's just like some i think some things are very clear-cut like morally and ethically i think some things it's just like okay yes like (laughs) we're clear on this we all agree on this one it doesn't matter your politics your religion whatever yeah we agree we all agree on this one and then there's you know, some things where it's just very like, hmm. but there's uh, you know, I, I, I will say this, that I, that I've come to learn again in my experience, especially when it comes to activists, more often than not, I feel like activists are running away from something rather running into something. And okay. I, I am more on the side of if you're, you know, I, I use the line from, from Jordan Peterson, like make your bed, as long as your bed's made, you can sort of come out. And, and my experience has been such that a lot of people will gravitate towards activism. will even, will even reach out to me more often when their homes are broken. And this is mm. this is a concern of mine when it comes to activism because first off, it's not sustainable. So you've got yes. people that are coming and they want to they want to offer you the world and they want to work with you and they want all these things. They want to run away from something. It never sustains. It just doesn't. Mm. So there is a there is an issue when it comes to people with certain ideologies and and their level the level of which they immerse themselves in in activism, and and you know just how how personal they make it sometimes how how it just mm. be, it, it encompasses their their like yes, yes every fiber of their being despite it not really being like you've got other issues at home to address like don't run from those things so it does create a little bit of conflict and it does create those people that are maybe that it it fuels their passion to a a larger degree Mm. than than we necessarily understand Mm. uh the other thing is there's giving money to charities and then there's voting with your dollars so the market uh, ultimately will decide so you can choose to help a human but then you can also choose not to go to a zoo 
and mm-hmm. just be like, well, I'm not going to give my money to that place, for instance, today. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just as that's just equally as uh, as uh, as effective, if you will, mm-hmm. in uh, in sort of in sort of in sort of shaping the world you want. You know, are there some zoos that do it right? I don't want to say no because I I, I want to keep myself open to the, the opportunity of finding mm-hmm. one. But again, because the the thing about my mission is that it is to a certain extent uh, personal. It, okay. It's far more encompassing than just mere animal rights issues and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And and while suit to and while I'm purported as an animal rights and you know I, it's just not my thing to want to go to a bunch of zoos or do a bunch of research on zoos. I'm too busy trying to afford this multi million dollar <laughs> crazy lawsuit, and I've got these, <laughs> these tough guys outside, and the, the police are always coming to my house in this crazy yeah. zany world. I don't got really time to research zoos too, too, too much. Yeah, I, yeah. I hope more than not that my experiences causes other people to do that work for themselves mm-hmm, and maybe mm-hmm. for me and say, hey, Phil, I found something. I could be like, hey, cool. You know, I, I sort of let other people do that <laughs> for me and let me know. Yeah. What's the, this might sound like a, this might sound like a silly question, but I don't think it is. What is the biggest ethical argument against zoos? I think it's just, I just think it's the, uh, it's the it's the business model. It's that it is profit first, and by virtue of, the animals suffer. If a zoo's intentions were to create an environment where the animal can thrive, mm-hmm. it would be difficult financially to be viable. There's no question because as soon as you start attributing the the best interests of the animals, it starts coming out of the bottom line. And I think what I think ultimately what the problem is is that the animals, uh, the level of animal suffering, is uh, it isn't justifiable. You know, when you're having to replace animals, when it's cheaper to replace them than care for them, there's mm-hmm. imbalance in what you're doing and, mm-hmm. and you're lying about what you're doing. Right. You're wanting to keep when when zoos fight government regulation, when zoos fight these 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 laws. I mean, there's the ethical question becomes, why aren't you trying to advance them if you're if you exist in the interest of animals, why are you fighting for them? Why do you want to keep yeah. them in your pools? Oh, I see. Mm. Because the kids want to buy plush toys. Yeah. I just think it's, it's the lying. I just think it's the okay. deceit. It's all that, you know. Okay. That, that's, an, that's an interesting answer. It, it's so interesting. Like, this is one of those things that's like, I think, this is one of those like, uh, this is a conversation that's probably like a, a one day conversation because every every thought, it all leads to other things, right? Because there's, oh, there's a part of me right now in my brain that's going... Yeah, but like all of us who eat animals, do we have a leg to stand on? And I know a vegan would make that point, right? A vegan would be like, yes, exactly. Like you're a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And and I'm like, and I'm kind of like, yeah, like I I hear you. It's, it's, it's not dissimilar to the way I see, um, you know, the Yulin dog festival in China that like, you know, people in the West freak out about in the UK and US, whatever. And I'm kind of like, look, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, Fair enough. But I'm kind of like, yo, if you're like eating, <laughs> if you're eating like burgers and steaks and fish and chicken and whatever every day, and you're mad because you personally like dogs, but they're not regarded the same way in another country. And so people are happy to eat them. Or some people are eating horses in this country. You know, in different countries, people eat different stuff. Animals that are considered a cow is sacred in India, right? And as someone in India may think it's absolutely horrific, sacrilegious that people in the West are eating cows. And there might be something there that they're eating and a Westerner would look at it. And it's, uh, I don't know. It, it's, I, I think it's such a fascinating conversation. I just think the human experience and like ethics and morality and all that, I just think it's such a gigantic, it's such a web. It's such a complicated web. And there are some things, like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. It's clear cut. But then there are other things. It's like, okay, well, this if this, well, what about that? Or if that, then what about this? And it becomes a challenge when you start to measure it all. And then when you have to yeah. sort of, when, when you have to live up to, to the standard, it's funny because, okay, so I'm a spokesperson <coughs> for captive animals, captive whales, if you will. And it's almost specifically mm-hmm. this, this, this walrus. And yet I, I simultaneously eat burgers. I get it. Now I, I, I'm with you on the Yulin dog festival. You can't be outraged by the practice of eating one animal and not the other it it Mm. just doesn't make sense i can't see i don't see the outrage either i don't see and look i love cats i love dogs as well in fact just this morning i i I have this image embedded in my head of this festival it might be the yulin dog festival but it's a man in a cage with a bunch of cats all the cats are holding on to the to the fences they don't want to be grabbed and this guy's Mm. one by one grabbing them killing them 
putting them in the water and whatnot yeah. and cooking on it. And that guts me because I know yeah. the fear that those animals are experiencing, but yeah. I'm eating Same a burger. Chicken. I'm mm. eating a burger and I'm eating a chicken. Yeah. You know, it yeah, becomes, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's weird. weird. It's weird. Yeah. And the other thing is, and the other thing is, this is where it gets very strange. We love cats. We, I mean, to the point of we, we, you know, like, oh, but if you were smaller than that cat, it's yeah. game over. Oh yeah. Your toy <laughs> and your food, my friend, yeah. that perspective from that cat, when you're no longer providing it food, you've just, beca- you've just become it. Yeah. So, you know, there's just a lot we have to, uh, there's a lot that we don't, uh, that we don't, when it comes to, to, to biases, there's, there's just realities we don't want to face because it's yeah. far too convenient. And the, the issue of animals, it, it, is, it just embroils it all. It, it, it encompasses it all, especially when you yeah. weigh it against ethics. Because, yeah. yeah, I'm a complete hypocrite. Do I have a leg to stand on in that I should be speaking for an animal? Well, hey, to, a lot of a lot them? a lot of a lot of vegans are hypocrites too. So. Well, exactly. So, so I've, had, I've, had vegans. I've had beers with vegans. I know what happens after midnight. I, yeah. I, I love all people. Forget about it. This isn't an, an indictment on everyone. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, ever. Yeah. I don't ever throw a blanket over everyone. Yeah. <laughs> there are, there, the vegan police that that are out there to attack me. I mean, I've been threatened with with rape and murder on account of the fact that I'm trying to help animals. Like, make the like I, I can't make the sense of it all, but somehow it yeah. offends people that as an as a carnivore, if you will. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, I have a, I, I am of the opinion that eating meat is natural. So it's one of these yeah. things where, you know, do I, do I think factory farming? No, and I'm not, I don't want to be a spokesperson for it. But yeah. too often, many people want to make me one by virtue of it being the easiest example of, of obvious hypocrisy. Sure, sure. But I speak of my experience. That's all I can say. And, and I hope that other people do as well. I hope that there are the people that are in the factory farms that come out in the same way, impact the world that make for changes of the practice. If in fact, these mm-hmm. are so, so awful. And it's not a question of whether they are, but for sure there are some, for sure there are. But yeah. we attribute a lot of uh, emotions and, and intelligence to animals as, as if they are human and we anthropomorphize them to a certain extent. I mean, I watch my cat. Only, I watch only the ones we like. Only the ones we like. Only bias. the ones we like. <laughs> it's the truth. It's, the truth. No, no, it's, it's only the ones we like. Like there I are some know. animals people are like, no, kill it. Right? <laughs> Things we're not afraid of too. If we're afraid of it, yeah. kill it. It's like right <laughs> case, the first thing we do is kill it. Like I'm afraid of the first person that sees an alien if he's got a gun because we're going to declare war before we, we even know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Humans are complicated. So um, what's the what's the current situation with Smooshy the Walrus? So what is the, what's the latest update? Cause I, I heard you saying that you, you're pretty sure that she's still alive, but you're not a hundred percent sure. And what's the, what's the latest update on that? All signs point to the fact that something awful has happened to Smooshy. What we okay. do know is she gave birth to a calf, which could not have been natural because there was no males alive during the period that the gestation would have required. The last male died longer before the long the gestation period and she was far too old so what we do know is there was a facility in germany that was uh that came some veterinarians came and they did what uh they they they, they ensured a successful pregnancy on smooshy uh i was skeptical of this information when i'd received it but i tweeted it and then that that night or the following day marineland without choice announced the birth of a calf they uh offered some like they awful, they almost offered a, a cautionary, like you know we're we're watching Smooshy, but she should be fine, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There was a small, there was a, there was a picture only of the calf, and since then, Marine Land's lawyer, who by the way I'm on notice for more multi million dollar lawsuits, he doesn't like mm-hmm. when I say his name, Andrew Burns, lawyer from Toronto representing <laughs> Marine Land Canada. So, Am I going to yeah. start getting calls? No, no, you won't. No, you won't. You won't. <laughs> I, took, I took his balls away a long. <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yeah, I apologize. That's okay. It's okay. Like, That's all right. Man. We went, That's we went okay. down that road. It's okay. That, I feel the burn when I say his name. Let's just say <laughs> my, my, my heart and soul burns a little bit. Nonetheless, um, he's put me on notice uh, uh, personally. They're, they're doing everything they can to keep me from getting information. Mm. So, in speaking with my lawyer, uh, so Marine Lines lawyer will no longer communicate via telephone because I inadvertently. I say inadvertent. I had done it consciously, but I, I messed up. I shouldn't have. But I had tweeted that my lawyer was calling him. They had a scheduled call and he was to ask about Smooshy. Okay. Uh, you don't get those opportunities in writing necessarily because the answers come back as as they see fit and well-crafted. Mm-hmm. In a conversation, you might catch someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, since that moment, Marineland's lawyers refused to uh, communicate except for um, in writing. 
he's if you know if his cell phone is publicly available people call him and they say hey uh, where's smooshy now he who is a stated spokesperson for marineland is now saying call marineland and when you call mm-hmm. marineland they say we'll take your number we'll call you back or they hung, hang up on you their social okay. media got inundated with where is smooshy where is smooshy they're blocking everybody fans included wow, that's they, crazy. They've, they've wiped her existence from the website uh so so in november i i was kicking and screaming where's smooshy so then there was a national story in canada where's smooshy and marineland refused to answer in any way shape or form they don't acknowledge wow. her existence so having said that i have every reason to believe something awful has happened but i have had on several occasions different people tell me and the reason i give it some credence is that just by virtue of the sources and where they came from i have reason to believe that there's a chance that they're fine Mm. I just can't rationalize why Marineland won't mention that. Why won't they? Whereas before, if I'd ever said, hey, where's Smooshy? The next day they would update. If there was a period where if I announced dead whales, they knew uh oh, the media's calling. They would make a statement that afternoon and try to get ahead of the story. These Mm. days, they don't acknowledge me. I don't exist. And they've publicly stated since the documentary that they are no longer publicly uh, uh, acknowledging me anymore. So they've they've actually created an environment where I and nobody can actually ask anymore. They've gone and built a vault around whatever has happened to her. So mm. I don't know. I don't That's know what, what's happened. And I don't want to be the guy who, who announces her death. If it's not, I'm not going to cry. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah. to know with absolute concrete. And to be honest, the, the keeping a little bit of hope that she's still alive. Yeah, I'm going to hold on to that. I mean, I, actually, actually, I was going to say, I guess over the, the past year, they've been closed for more than a year now, right? They opened because briefly the, in the summer. Oh, okay. Because I was gonna okay, because I was I was gonna say like surely it wouldn't be that hard for I mean if it's if the place is still open oh, right no, surely people are gonna... she, she's on, okay. she's not on public display she's with, okay. she's hidden in the back corner of what's called a warehouse I mean okay. r- remember she was she was one of when I left there were five walruses and mm-hmm. prior to that there was like between eight and ten at any given yeah, time they were, yeah. they were, but they were dying off when I left yeah. there were still five she was the last one alive up until last summer mm-hmm. so the the whereas it, it would have made sense to keep her with the five for a number of years and whatnot. Very quickly, they all died, and she became the last one alive, which is a mm. real nightmare for Marina. Mm. This is exactly what they didn't want. Yes. So I see the logic in them wanting to ship her out and move her. I mean, look, I was trying to get this accomplished as well. Uh, their intentions, of course, were a little bit more sinister than mine. Uh, they had different ideas in mind and where they would send her, and uh, I, I'd hoped to negotiate a better place. Uh, again, I've offered to both pay for and take this all off their hands. I've got some very rich people who are uh, very... Uh, uh, keen on making this happen mm-hmm. and apparently that's just not good enough for marineland they have other plans so whatever has happened to her i should stress it's a conscious choice that was made and made in such a way that you know harms her yeah one of the one crazy thing that struck me in that documentary and this this is like was when um zeus the walrus died and there was that was it like an or was it an article from a newspaper that was their or a website release. oh it was their press release yeah. wh- where they just straight up lied like you you saw the you saw the videos and the images of this. I mean, the even using the phrase "emaciated walrus" sounds like an, an oxymoron, but this walrus had lost a lot of weight. You could tell visibly depressed, really sluggish, all kinds of like scars, bruises, whatever. And in the press release, it said that there was, was a healthy weight eating. No, I was like, wow, like yeah. that is. I was like, that's psychopathic. Like I can't. It's psychopathic. I can't, I can't, I can't lie like that. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I can't, I don't get when people are even capable of just lying like straight up like it that. It offers you the perfect perspective of just yeah. how far they're willing to go and the length of which they'll lie to be yeah. that, that the lie is blatantly transparent. I mean, not only the fact that when you saw the back, the, now it should be known that whoever provided that footage is no longer working at Marineland, as you can imagine. Yeah, of course. Deep trouble. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he was out on mm. stage like that yeah, in yeah, 90 crazy. degree weather in the summer. How could you yeah. even, how can you even pretend? And, and I had, I had done articles. I, I did a, ask me anything on Reddit uh, about Zeus, about some mm-hmm. footage that had gone uh, viral of him on stage performing. That was just grotesque and awful and shocking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. still they stand by the idea that this was an animal at a healthy weight. He was probably 2000 pounds shy of, of, a, of a natural weight. It was shocking. But again, yeah. it offers perspective, the extent of which that they're lying. And the other thing that's going to offer great perspective is if I get the opportunity to go to trial, you watch. I mean, the things that are going to come out, the level of abuse that Marineland has attributed to this to this whole uh, legal process. I mean, mm. they created a fictional story about me. The entirety wow. of their lawsuit is based in fiction. 
It's mm, crazy. Mm. Here I am now. They said, they said you were trespassing when you weren't, right? Of course. They said I trespassed. They said that I plotted to steal a wall or something else. Mm. I mean, this is a very simple thing to 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 address. I mean, I've outright offered the public. I'll take. I'll give you a million dollars. I haven't got it, but the yeah. day that I get it, I'll give you a million dollars. <laughs> Show me evidence of me ever uh, 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 trespassing. Marineland can't. Yeah. It's eight years, and I've yet to see an iota of def- of evidence against uh, multi million dollar claims against me. It's crazy. Mm. It's outright That's crazy. Wild. But I'm glad so, that you, I'm glad that you took that from the film that you could see just how just how crazy that is. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, yo. I mean, like jaw dropping. Yeah, yeah. Dishonesty. You know, my my three least favorite traits in human beings are dishonesty, cowardice, and cruelty. What about disloyalty? Something about that too. I like loyalty, man. But I, guess I like it too. I, I'm, I guess I'm just relative to what you're yeah. loyal to. I mean, there, you have to have right to be disloyal at some point. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot. There are a lot of things I don't lie. There's more than three things about human sure, beings sure, that yeah. I don't. <laughs> but th- those those are the three that really really get me. Like when someone can just like like that level of dishonesty. I'm just like uh, yeah, yo, yeah. like because I'm, I'm like, how do you do that? Like, how can you just you know you know like this is you know for a fact this is completely untrue. Yeah, but. We're just going to say this. We're just going to fabricate this whole entire thing to try to deceive millions of people. Um, I'm just like, yo, like, dude, they did that up. in a lawsuit. They're using the yeah. courts to try to propagate yeah. the same thing. Complete lies. And this is yeah. where they're caught. This is where uh, suddenly a guy like me eight years in that, you know, people are helping fund my lawsuit that suddenly their lawsuit stopped making sense too long ago. And what's mm-hmm. left to them as terms of available options are not good ones. They have to find a way to not go to trial. And the fact that I'm uh, not motivated by money uh, has posed quite a challenge for them. Mm, quite mm. a challenge. But again, uh, I never did this for any money. I never had money to begin with. The people like me don't come out of the other side with money. Um, the legal process, the judicial process here in, in Canada is far different than in the States. There are no big awards. In fact, Marineland probably will offer me far more money than I would get at a trial. Uh, yeah. if, if, if money was a motivating factor, I, in fact, wouldn't be speaking still today. Mm-hmm. It's not, it can't, I find it strange that you sue someone for millions and then offer them money to go away. I don't get it. Let's see what <laughs> the court, let's see what the courts think about this thing. Let's yeah. just see. I don't, I got a weird feeling about that. You know, yeah, no doubt, man. Well, respect for you for man, for fighting this battle for what is it? Eight years now yeah. with all the, I mean, it must be, it must've taken a big emotional, toil um what what is your what is your ideal end goal what, how would you like to see this end how would you I mean, like in, to that, see this in an absolute perfect world if smoosh yeah. and her calf are alive i'd like to see them moved i'd like to see yeah. them removed from marineland I, I, i'd like to see marineland come to the table and just make a conscious decision let's just make let's just focus on getting this done so that this chapter of my life i can let go and so mm-hmm, can you mm-hmm. marineland so mm-hmm. can you because it requires me letting it go for you to let go so yeah. let's find a way to let that go I'd love to see resolved in the lawsuit. I would prefer a trial, of course, because I want to fight, fight, fight. But if there's opportunity to find a resolution where everyone can be happy, I'm, you know, they've got. I'm still here, to, willing to negotiate. Now, if if it's such that that's not uh, possible no more, then I want justice as the courts see fit. Mm-hmm. I want. Marineland had intentions to make something awful of my life. They tried to do this thing because they attributed all these awful things to me. Well, mm-hmm. I want to know what this awful thing the courts are going to do to me is. And okay. I want to know what their their determinants of judge and their judgment is. Now, I'm countersuing Marineland for abuse of process for $1.5 million. Now, that figure mm-hmm. is just a big, inflated, scary one. It doesn't actually apply to anything. It's not an, mm-hmm. an amount of money that I'm liable to see. But I am curious. I do want to see where a lawsuit of this magnitude, and it's, it's important to note that Mag- lawsuits like this are few and far between and when it comes to um when it comes to judgments they they want to rely on prior judgments and they want to they want to keep everything relative to what things were in the past so they'll often mm. uh make their determinants of of uh whatever based on what's happened historically the thing about abusive process lawsuits are to be able to to have a voice in court you have to endure a decade of abuse mm. a decade mm. of court abuse that mm-hmm. is immeasurably difficult for mm-hmm. anybody by any mm-hmm. standard. I mean, even if I were a very rich man, I would not have been able to justify the now in excess of four hundred thousand dollars that I've had to pay for this lawsuit. I would have had to have a multi. I'd have to be a multimillionaire on a yearly basis, and uh, and and have all of my needs covered, and then some, and then be able to throw a large amount of my income to it. 
people yeah. don't do that, right? It just yeah. doesn't exist. So what I would like to see is uh, let's see what the courts have to say about this. Let's see what eight or nine years of pushing a, uh, a an absolute uh, fraudulent narrative in a publicly funded place and mm-hmm. and trying to ruin someone's life. I mean, it, it's not just it's not just them trying to uh, abuse me through the court system. Again, they send the police to my house. Uh, they threatened to have the Canada Revenue Agency, you know, because I because my because I have a GoFundMe account. Marineland mm-hmm. threatens, oh well, we're going to send Canada Revenue Agency because that's that's your income. It's like, no, mm-hmm. it's not income. Like I, I'm fighting a multi million dollar lawsuit, Marineland. You might yeah. not remember. You might want to yep. take a look at your court legal fees to understand what that's like. But you know, they're coming at me at all angles. So I do want to see yeah, what the man. courts have to say about that. All right, man. Well, I wish you all the best in this fight and on this on this journey, man. I hope. Um, I hope it's not another eight years. I hope this is something that's wrapped up and resolved soon. I really hope so. I appreciate that, Zuby. You're uh, you're a hell of a guy. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And uh, where can people find and follow you online, man? Follow me, uh, Walrus. Uh, yesterday, I called it Wal- Walrus Whistleblower. I don't want to get that wrong. <laughs> Walrus Whisperer on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Don't waste your time on Facebook. You can, but... And uh, visit savesmooshy.com. You can send me a little bit of money. Now, I, I always stress, I don't want a lot of money from one individual. I prefer having an army of, of, of little dollars, little soldiers. So send me a little bit of money and I just keep my, 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 uh, my, my lawyer working. And then if you visit, you know, some people like merch and stuff. So if you go to stealawalrus.com, you can actually get a shirt where <laughs> I, I get, uh, you know, the, the, the proceeds benefit the lawyers. But but you get a shirt out of the deal. So uh, by all means, I, you know, I appreciate all the support. I, there is no me without you is what I stress. So, No doubt, man. Phil Demers, thanks so much for coming on the Real Talk with Zuby podcast, man. My really pleasure. Good to talk Thank to you, you Zuby. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.